Uh, God, thank you so much for this uh, beautiful day, uh, this beautiful weekend we've been having. Uh, let us all simply go out and enjoy it and be present in it um, and enjoy our time with friends and some with family, um, making those connections um, that will, will be lasting memories. We pray for our prayer list this morning. There's so many folks who are in need of healing, who are in need of comfort and peace. So we pray all those things for everyone listed on our list this morning. There's so many more needs within a church this large. So whether folks are in a season of suffering or mourning or loss or in a season of celebration and hope and breakthrough, we pray um, that your spirit be present with them and that we can stand with them, whether in mourning or in gladness. Uh, we thank you for this time we have in this class to dive deep, dive, dive deep into the beatitude or the Sermon on the Mount. Bless our time. Let us all interact with full participation and engagement as we dive deep into these teachings of Jesus. We pray all this in His name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we—if you want to go ahead and guess, open up to Matthew five. We're going to be back in there. Uh, so. Last week we kind of we did a quick kind of recap and talked a little about the Beatitudes. I put this quote, this quote that we had from, we didn't really get to um, last week, but I wanted to put that up there as a way for us to transition to our next set of teachings in Sermon on the Mount. George, you want to say anything about this particular quote? Why you, why you um, loved it? I know you chose it out I of... I did. Uh, well... Um, the Sermon on the Mount, as we are going to find, is very challenging and raises a question of, can we really live this way? I mean, is this really, does he just really expect us to do this, or is he just setting the bar really high? So I like that part, that it's not impossible for escapist or fantasy, but it is, it's a way of speaking back to the way our culture is kind of pressing us into a certain mold of life, and the Sermon on the Mount is trying to break us out of that mold, which is very difficult but um, possible, I hope. Yeah, and so what I'm going to do, I'm going to turn this off. So I'm going to play, some of you have probably heard of, of what is it called? What's the site? Bible. I just said the, the Bible Project, is that what it's called? Yes. Is it called the Bible Project? Okay. So some of you are familiar with the Bible Project. Some of you are not, and that's fine. They do a really great job on introducing um, you know, the different books in the Bible. And so we're going to watch, we should have did this last week, but well, we'll just do it this week. This is fine. And so we're going to watch kind of the intro video to that, to the book of Matthew. And, uh, and I think this will be good as we lead into the rest of our conversation this morning. We're going to watch about four minutes, yeah. Four and a half minutes. According to Matthew, it's one of the earliest official accounts about Jesus of Nazareth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. The book itself is anonymous, but the earliest reliable tradition links it to Matthew the tax collector, who was one of the twelve apostles that Jesus appointed, and he actually appears within the book itself. 
For about 30 to 40 years, the apostles orally taught and passed on their eyewitness accounts about Jesus, along with his teachings that they had all memorized. And Matthew has then collected and arranged all these into this amazing tapestry and designed the book to highlight certain themes about Jesus. In this video, we're just going to cover the first half of the book. Specifically, Matthew wants to show how Jesus is the continuation and fulfillment of the whole biblical story about God and Israel. That Jesus is the Messiah from the line of David, that he is a new authoritative teacher like Moses, and not only that, Jesus is God with us, or in Hebrew, Emmanuel. And Matthew's designed this book with an introduction and then a conclusion, and these act like a frame around five clear sections right here in the center, each of which concludes with a long block of Jesus' teaching. Now this design is very intentional and it's amazing. Just watch how this works. Chapters 1 through 3, they set the stage by attaching Jesus' story right onto the storyline of the Old Testament scriptures. So Matthew opens with a genealogy about Jesus that highlights how he is from the messianic line of the son of David, and he's a son of Abraham. That means he's going to bring God's blessing to all of the nations. After that, we get the famous story about Jesus' birth and how all of the events fulfilled the Old Testament prophetic promises that the nations would come and honor the Messiah, that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, but even more than that, Jesus' conception by the Holy Spirit, his name Emmanuel, all these work together to show that Jesus is no mere human. He is God with us. God become human. So you can see two of Matthew's key themes right here in the introduction. He's from the line of David. He's Emmanuel. But Matthew also wants to show how Jesus is a new Moses. So like Moses, Jesus came up out of Egypt he passed through the waters of baptism, and he entered into the wilderness for 40 days. And then Jesus goes up onto a mountain to deliver his new teaching. So through all of this, Matthew is claiming that Jesus is the promised greater than Moses figure, who's going to deliver Israel from slavery, he's going to give them new divine teaching, he's going to save them from their sins, and bring about a new covenant relationship between God and his people. This Moses and Jesus parallel also explains why Matthew has structured the center of the book the way that he did. These five main parts highlight Jesus as a teacher, and he's created a parallel. Jesus as a teacher parallels the five books of Moses. Jesus is the new authoritative covenant teacher who's going to fulfill the storyline of the Torah. Now, in the first section, chapters 4 to 7, Jesus steps onto the scene announcing the arrival of God's kingdom. And this is really key. The kingdom is, in essence, about God's rescue operation for his whole world. And it's taking place through King Jesus. Jesus has come to confront evil, especially spiritual evil, and its whole legacy of demon oppression and disease and death. Jesus has come to restore God's rule and reign over the whole world by creating a new family of people who will follow him, obey his teachings, and live under his rule. So, after Jesus begins healing people and forming a movement, a community, he takes his followers out to a mountain or a hillside, and he delivers his first big block of teaching, traditionally called the Sermon on the Mount. And here Jesus explores what it looks like to follow him and live in God's kingdom. And it's an upside-down kingdom where there are no privileged members. So the poor, the no 
nobodies, the wealthy, the religious, everybody is invited and is called to turn, to repent, and to follow Jesus and join his family. Jesus says that he's not here to set aside the commands of the Torah or the Old Testament. Rather, he's here to fulfill all of that through his life, through his teachings. He's here to transform the hearts of his people so that they can truly love God and love their neighbor, including their enemy. After concluding his great so, um, that video does a good job of leading into the section uh, right after the Beatitudes, and Beatitudes as well, which we talked about last week, uh, which describe uh, a group of people who are trying to embody this new kingdom. Um, and then, in um, we're going to skip a few verses that we'll come to, because we just saw the video, which leads into this set of verses. Uh, so I'd like for us to read this set of verses and uh, discuss it. I don't know what your relationship to the Old Testament is or how you feel about the Old Testament. I feel like if I were to throw out, what do you think about the Old Testament? Well, let's throw that out. What do you think about the Old Testament? That's a good question. It's old, right? It's in the title. Now, not everybody calls it the Old Testament, right? Just Christians, but... We have a New Testament that's not very new, but it's the latest. Okay, what do you think about the Old Testament? Just don't think, just say. Yeah. Or maybe like what has been your relationship? Like what did you grow up hearing about the Old Testament? Maybe that's another way to look at it. Yeah. No, you don't raise your hand. Yeah. <laughs> this is a wild west. You just speak your truth. Yeah. Uh, well, at my church, I feel like it was like we always talked about how it's like still important, but we didn't necessarily like follow. Yeah. Like all those laws. We don't have to follow it anymore. Yeah. And so, what did that look like in your particular context? Like when you say that, like we should appreciate it, but not really follow like, it. We can still learn from it and like use the like stories and stuff, but like we don't have to. <laughs> yeah, but we don't really like follow. We can eat pork. And right. Yeah, yeah. And we don't like Bacon. still have to like make sacrifices and stuff. Right. Like, it's like yeah. a different type of yeah. sacrifice. And, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah. good. What else? Any other different differences? What did your upbringing teach you about the Old Testament? Or what do you think about it now? What's God like in the Old Testament? He seems to be a more like wrathful God in the Old Testament. Yeah, that's what I was thinking somebody would say. Um, we got the earth <coughs> swallowing people. We got people being killed and struck dead. And one guy helpfully touches the ark and gets struck dead. I mean, helpfully in my way of thinking. It was about to fall. Uh, so to, this to is, me, it's very Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when I think of Game of Thrones, I think of this is the Old Testament <laughs> in the living color. It's uh, before God became a Christian. <laughs> people say that's what people say. Yeah, I mean that's how we act about it. Yep, that is. Um, so I want us to read these verses, which I mean, some people say these are some of the most important verses in the New Testament about how we should approach the Old Testament, about how we try to keep these two blocks of material together. 
So uh, Jesus says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So um, take a few minutes to talk with people around you, uh, maybe about what about these verses surprises you or questions that come up as you read these and think about this, and then we'll share those together as a group. But talk with some people around you about anything that surprises you in these verses. Ready to break? You can turn your chairs, it's fine. and see what we can figure out. Um, I'm going to start right here in the front. So, yeah, good. Um, when it says, not in the kingdom of heaven, why should I question, like, 
what is the context in which that is used? Like, is it kingdom of heaven as in like, because there's the whole like thing of like the kingdom of heaven is here and yet still coming. And so like, is it experiencing the kingdom of heaven here? Like, does that mean like the spirit or is it more from like an eternity standpoint or what's yeah. the context that's like used in? I think the kingdom of heaven is now and mm. not yet. So it's now and so uh, we're supposed to live according to these um, pattern that Jesus um, set out for us now. And I think um, that's just as important as how that's whether we get in at, at death. I mean, we typically think of it as when you die is when you enter the kingdom of heaven. But I think it's, there's a now part to it. That he's saying it, it matters how you live now. Um, and, you know, least in the kingdom of heaven, you could think of that as, well, at least we're still in the kingdom of heaven. Um, I mean, I would like to be, we, my friends in college, we had, I have weird friends, but we used to talk about, this, this tells a lot about our view of what sin was, I mean, sin was basically for us things that were fun but wrong. So we wanted to... What's the example of that? <laughs> something you wanted to experience a little bit of, you know. So we thought, we just wanted to barely make it into heaven, just barely make it, you know, just... You don't want to be too good, but if, but you're in heaven, so you barely yeah. make it in. So B B minus. I'm still yeah past. yeah. We call it BMI. Barely make it. You know, barely make it. BMI. Um, so you be the least in the kingdom of heaven. This is too much information, but this, but this is, is good. This is yeah. a helpful <laughs> framework. I don't think that's what Jesus means here, um, because at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter seven. He says, you know, the, the, the wise and foolish builder, and the foolish is the one who doesn't do the things that Jesus says. And he says, unless you do these things, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So there is eternal, the way we live now matters. That's, that's what I think it means. So it matter, the choices you make now actually matter. And if, you don't, if we don't follow the pattern of Jesus, then our lives are going to be diminished both now and eternally in some sense. Does that answer your question? Or? And so I think least in the kingdom here is a nice way of saying you're not going to make it in to the blessed community that he's trying to make. It's a nice way of saying that? It's a nice way. You're at least... Because I mean, if I say that, I mean you're in. I know, but I don't think, I don't think he means you're in. I think you're actually out. Yeah. But I know that's difficult. I could be wrong. <laughs> this is my wife, so I'm often wrong. She knows I'm often wrong. Yeah, follow up. How does that fit into like the flip that's kind of happening throughout the Beatitudes of like blessed yeah. the spirit yeah. this is the kingdom of heaven and saying that like they'll be the least in the kingdom of heaven but then they're like the whole entire time is like a flip occurring. And so yeah, because he says somewhere the least will be the greatest, and the greatest will be the least. Right. So if you're the least. But you were so. the least in life, so um, are you like that means you're the greatest in heaven. But this is saying you're not doing, you're ignoring the law, of the, the prophet, the law and the prophets, or something. Mm -hmm. so That's why I think here at least is not is mm -hmm. not on the same level of what he says later. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit when we talk about salt and light because he right. says people will see what you're doing and and uh, praise God. So you're, it's almost like you're supposed to be doing things to be seen. But elsewhere he says you're not supposed to do things just to be seen. Mm -hmm. 
So some of it depends on your intent. So uh, if your intent is to not practice the law and be least in the kingdom, you're not going to be the greatest. Mm -hmm. so, something like that. This is complicated. Well, and I think what makes it complicated, again, because we, we all, we want it to be simple. Our, our, our main desire is, I want to know, I want this to be black and white. Just tell me what I got to do. I'll do that, and then I get to win the prize. And then what we see constantly through Jesus' teaching, and, and, and honestly, all, and a lot of these scriptures, like it says, show that you're a part of this new way of living. And it's like, don't, why are you, uh-uh, pray in the quiet. It's like, well, wait, which one is it? Yes. <laughs> you're like, that's not helpful. And you're like, see? <laughs> It's like, well, I hope when we drill down, there is some logic, but yeah, it's not. Yeah. You have to drill down some. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, screw. Yeah. We have the same. We talked about the same in verse nineteen. Yeah. Um, <coughs> just in general, but I also said to me, I didn't like. I grew up hearing that like the Old Testament is highly prophetic, and like that Jesus came to fulfill the law and things like that. So I don't know that much else besides maybe verse 19 surprised. Okay. Yeah. Good. How about <coughs> this area? You guys have any thoughts to add? Um, my other half of my group. But, <laughs> I mean, we, we said the same stuff. Did, okay. you, <laughs> did you say the same stuff? Uh, I don't think you did. You know, just, uh, all right, so I guess the last verse really stood out to me the most. Um, just the way, I don't even know if I interpreted it right, but the way I felt was like, so I see the Pharisees obviously is kind of higher authority than us peasant people, mm -hmm. if you will. Um, and so, you know, raising that standard, setting the bar high, um, sounds more of a challenge than kind of like, I remember growing up, kind of hitting the basics of, do you believe Jesus died and like rose again? Do you do good things? Do you repent for your sins? All right, you're good. Mm -hmm. So then that kind of seems like it raises the bar a little more. Yeah. So like that gray area, which yeah. is it? I think that's exactly right. That, um, sometimes we hear the message is it really matters what you believe. Believe the right things. Believe Jesus died for your sins, and then you get to go to heaven when you die. Um, and the Sermon on the Mount really emphasizes on how you live your life. And here he says your, your life, you have to actually be more righteous than the Pharisees. Um, and there's lots of different ways of positive interpreting that maybe the Pharisees are just hypocritically righteous and kind of fake and so Jesus is saying you need to be really righteous but I think the, the point we get from the Sermon on the Mount is there is a lifestyle that, that goes along with believing so it's not just believing and that's something that we don't often preach especially in our uh, Protestant um, evangelical churches it's, it's really about believing it's not about works Works almost becomes like a bad thing. Who works? Work. Who works? 
do. You're talking got, about works. Got, you mm, can't talk about works. We're saved mm, by our faith, not by our works. Yeah. Um, I said the prayer, dog. Like, I don't need yeah, to be I'm good. serving the <laughs> I prayed Jesus in my I, heart. So. Get in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I mean, that's, that's the wrong way to think about it. There is a life that goes along with believing and following Jesus. And that life is going to make a big difference in how you live now, not just what's going to happen to you when you die, but how we live now. Big point. Hmm. Good. Cool. Let's go around some more. Yeah. yeah. We just said, like, a lot of what she was talking about, like, the Jews held the Pharisees, like, to a really high standard. Like, Christians today were like, ugh, the Pharisees, like, we don't really mm-hmm. like them. But, like, the Jews followed them like, very highly. So for us to surpass the Pharisees' righteousness, like, that's a lot of pressure mm-hmm. on us, like, to go above and beyond, not just, like, the bare minimum. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I want, you know, I don't know that the goal of this class is to add a lot of pressure to our lives. Oh, no. <laughs> we're getting back to real uh, yeah, shame. Yeah, we're going to feel real sorry. guilty and real shame by the end. But ideally, you know, you're doing it out of gratefulness and love and, and wanting to be God's presence in the world, part of what God is doing to make his kingdom happen in the world. And so it's there's a lot of joy in it as well. But yeah. Impression. <laughs> yeah, up here. Yep, that's you. John. I was just going to ask, like, <coughs> later, doesn't Jesus, like, not do stuff that the Pharisees think he should do? Yeah. Right? Like, heal on the Sabbath and things. Yeah. So, isn't he violating his own teaching there? Which part of this? The oh, you said Jesus is surpassing or the, the thing? Yeah, about it was the, the, it was the line about the Pharisees. Like, this may be the only good thing he says about Pharisees in the whole gospel. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of confused, like, Jesus, did you mean to say that, Brian? Right. Yeah, like, <laughs> later on, like he's it. telling them off, right? Yeah. Like, you guys are too legalistic, and we need to actually love people. So, it's just that. So, verse 20 seems a little confusing. Maybe when Jesus said it, he put air quotes around the righteousness. I'm not sure righteousness of a Pharisee. Pharisee, that's a pretty low bar actually. Yeah, the Pharisees get a bad rap uh, because the ones that we think about are the ones that Jesus is calling out for not really following the spirit of the law but the letter of the law. Um, but that's only some of the Pharisees, right. not all the Pharisees. So I think, uh, especially if you look at literature outside the Bible that describe the Pharisees, I mean, they they have things in their own writings about it's the spirit of the law is what really matters. So, you know, is it possible in religious circles that people start enforcing the letter of the law and not the spirit? We, we probably all have experienced that in churches uh, where, uh, hey, what are you wearing to church? You know, like, you're not wearing that to church, right? So there's these uh, letter, there's these things that develop where the actual things we can judge are things that are external when what's really important is the internal, but we tend to just focus on the external. 
Well, I think, um, I think this is a good note, too, because it is, it is interesting to me that I, that's a great point about how there, there were some good Pharisees. Because, I mean, like, and I think that's true of, you know, pick the people group out there. Like, not all Christians are the same kind of Christian. Like, I don't associate myself with, you know, some of the Christians that do some of the things in the name of Jesus. I don't associate with them. I would say those are bad Christians. And so they were for sure good Pharisees as well as very, very bad ones. Yeah. And that's true of name the people group, the religious group. Yeah. There's always, but we tend to like, your, someone in your people group has done something really bad. Yeah. So now all of you are bad. Yeah. That's true, except for my tribe of people. There are some bad ones. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, that's right. Interesting. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. I, I didn't even think of this. Well, I'm a slow reader, and I didn't land on the Pharisees part. And so I was thinking, I thought what was stood out to me was kind of this until heaven and earth disappeared. Yeah. Uh, not the small, not the smallest letter, or the not the least stroke of pen. Which I was like, because oh. it's kind of that new heaven, new earth kind of viewpoint of, or earth disappearing is weird. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. Disappear. And to, to be re, right. Renewed. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's that's a long time, and um, one of the things that this makes me think is, you know, Jesus says, if you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, all the commandments can be summed up in those two: love God, love your neighbor as yourself. So, if we're practicing the Sermon on the Mount in this community, this beloved community that He's creating around Himself and His teachings. I think his point is that you will be then accomplishing the purpose of the law. And we're going to see that some in the rest of the moment. He says, you've heard it was said this, but I say to you, you know, said don't commit adultery, but even if you lust. So he's drilling down to say, get at the real spirit of what the law is pointing toward. And if we follow him, then we're going to be keeping the law, not all the little details of sacrificial system and kosher food laws and things like that, but uh, purpose of it. Yeah. This group. Uh, we talked a little bit about um, the Pharisees as well, and kind of like what's interesting to me is the balance between that we've been talking about of faith and works, um, and kind of how, like in other like passages, we see that like our faith is alive by our works, like it's continually like being made like fresh, I guess you could say. Um, so just like the balance, and in this passage, I think we like are reminded of the importance of our practices and our works. Um, and like you were saying, I like how you said that a lot of times it's painted in like a bad light, like oh works, but like Jesus is saying like it's something that we need to like think about daily, mm -hmm. and like how we like how you were saying how we live our lives matters. Yeah. I'm not saved by my work, so it doesn't matter what I do. That, that's how we can we can fall into that. I'm not saved by my work, so get off my case about this. You know? um, and then some people do lots of good works in a, in a like big old buttholes. <laughs> it's like, oh, but I build a house for the poor. It's like, but you're a jerk. <laughs> 
So like, I don't want to be around you. So we have to have both. We have to have. You have to do and both. And I know. <laughs> it's such a bummer, but. George used to say, uh, you, you and your friends would discuss this. I remember yeah. in college and say, well, somebody needs to be helped moved, and I'm not going to do it because I don't have a good attitude about it, and it's not going to get me any anything. Like. Yeah. Well, so they would not do anything because they're like, well, well you got to have a good attitude about her. It yeah. doesn't really help you. So I'm not going to do it anyway. I had a friend. She asked me one time, will you help me? Will you help me? Do you want to help me move? I'm like, I don't want to, but I'll do it. She's like, well, I don't want you to do it if you don't want to. I said, no, I, I, why would I want to help you move? I don't want to. <laughs> no one ever wants to help me move. But I will help. I think that's better for me if I'm doing it. I don't want, she and if me they to want, want to, to they're, they're, they're saving that chip. They're like, I'm helping you move, <laughs> and I'm going to need a favor one day, and I'm going to call on you. <laughs> yeah. So we have to not only do the right thing, but we have to do them willingly for the right reasons. It's a higher bar. Yeah. You're setting the bars. <laughs> yeah, uh, so uh, I guess I think the next slide just kind of summarizes the things that we have talked about. And um, what I liked about the video that we watched at the beginning is it showed a lot of things that Matthew is tying to the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. And we have to understand ourselves as part of this bigger story that, that starts with creation. And so as a Reformation, and, and you know, there's a lot of discussion in biblical studies about can you read from the New Testament back into the Old Testament? And so can you see the Trinity and God saying, let us make man in our image and things like that. And a lot of people say no, because in the Old Testament they didn't know it was going to be. But I'm starting to come around to the idea that, that you cannot um, you cannot bracket out the ending of the, the story. Like any good narrative, once you know who done it, once you know who it's pointing to, when you go back and read the first part, you're like, oh, okay, I see now where this is leading to. Um, you know, um, so it's kind of like your sports team when they actually win, like if Tennessee had won in overtime yesterday. That's hurtful. Then you go back and you watch the beginning of the game, you're like, oh, we're not doing well now, but we're, I know we're going to win in the end, so this changes how you view the plays at the beginning. So it, it may be impossible for us as Christians to go back and not, not read Jesus into that. Um, and then I think we've, we've talked about things that really should make a difference in how we did it. Okay? Cool. That was good. Thank you for your discussion. Yeah. Did we make any decisions? No. Uh, I don't think we did. We decided it matters how you live. That's what I'm Matters about. how you live. 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 Better than the Pharisees. Better than the Pharisees. <laughs> That's the hashtag you have here. Uh,